Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Hi, Jessica. Hello, Andy. How are you today? Doing good. How are you? I am doing great. I am ready to talk some Star Trek. Okay. Well, for this one, we watched Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. Original series episode, Errand of Mercy. Let me remind the audience that, that uh, or anyone, uh, beginning the track is uh, best best enjoyed when you start with episode one. So if this is your first experience, you might want to go back to episode one and begin there. Also, watch Errand of Mercy, because obviously the synopsis is going to give away anything if you're like me before and hadn't seen it. Of course, now I have. Perfect. So Take it away. Spoiler alerts are out of the way. I will do the 10-sentence yeah. synopsis, 10-sentence synopsis of Errand of Mercy. A sense of dread fills the air as a somber Captain Kirk discusses rumors of aggression from an old adversary, the Klingons. The Enterprise is headed to Organia to establish diplomatic relations on the strategically located planet when they are attacked, confirming everybody's worst fears were going to war. Kirk, along with Spock, beams down, where they meet Aelborn, temporary head of the Council of Organia, and he tries to convince the docile Organians that life in the Federation is much better than the slavery under Klingon rule, but he's flummoxed by the Council's laissez-faire attitude towards the whole situation. Too late. The Klingons are here in force. The Enterprise has to hightail it out. Kirk and Spock have to don disguises. Klingon Commander Kur bursts in, literally laying down the law. Kur doesn't notice how bad Kirk's Organian cosplay is without the smile, so he assigns him to be his liaison to the people. With the Organians still all mellow, Kirk and Spock take matters into their own hands, blowing up a weapon stash, and Kur responds by killing 200 Organians. Kirk and Spock surrender, are then rescued by Aelborn, and finally, the dynamic duo decide to go after the head of the snake himself, Commander Kur. Colonel O'Neill and Apothis are about to... Sorry, wrong show. <laughs> I mean, Captain Kirk and Commander Kur are about to square off when the Organians intervene and say, enough. Turns out, Organians are highly advanced beings and they make everybody stop fighting, just like that, leaving Kirk embarrassed to realize that he was arguing for a war that he didn't even want. The end. Very good. How about that? Are you going to take out the thing about Apophis? Because that's kind Not of at all. That is, so that's a little, <laughs> that's uh, a little um, foreshadowing of some of the things that we talk about. You like, you like the little cosplay, the Organian cosplay? Hashtag bad Organian cosplay. He wouldn't smile. He wouldn't smile, so he gets the job. But we'll talk all about that when we start talking episode in just a few moments. Yeah. Or in a moment. I loved this episode. Let's talk episode. All right. Okay. Uh, I am going to go ahead and give my rating, which is a five out of five blue leggings with Renfair Uggs, because I absolutely love those little skinny tights on Spock with the like the strappy Ugg boot looking thing. There was oh, just, it was fantastic <laughs> when he was when he was dressed up as the merchant. Yes, because uh, and both of them are any and just I just, they. They owned those tights with little Ugg boots so well. I really I got that, enjoyed but, that. But I, but I cannot skip over the fact that you gave it five out of five, a perfect score. 
I, and I'm doing this, I probably shouldn't. I was originally going to do four out of five because I know that there's really good ones coming up. But so far, this really has been my favorite. And uh, given my blahness about the past couple episodes, uh, this, this really, really got me back into it. Such classic storytelling of sci-fi wonderfulness. Very <laughs> happy about it. Yeah. Well, don't let me interrupt. What did you see? Tell me about it. Uh, I love that we f- I finally get to see even the tiniest bit of a space battle. There was shaking of cameras and everything. Uh, so it was very short-lived, but it was there. And that was fun. Yes. Uh, when they finally get to the planet, I really enjoyed that Spock and Kirk do the little hand gesture and at least try to imitate the cultural niceties. Uh, even though as he gets frustrated with them being sheep, he calls them sheep, uh, the hand gestures get really sarcastic, and I I laughed a lot at that. <laughs> so Kirk Kirk goes through some interesting stuff in this episode. He really uh, does. You're, you're already pointing to some. I would like. Yeah. I, I, I want to stop for a second and talk okay. about that. Th- those okay. moments. So, um, you know, he, at the very beginning, he's he's imitating the gestures that 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 mm-hmm. Illborn gives that that kind of uh, greeting or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But he still says things like. I'm a soldier, not a diplomat. Yes. So, so there's there's still that reverting to his form uh, that I saw, but it's core. It's the Klingon commander that calls them sheep first, and then Kirk starts calling them sheep too, and I thought that was really interesting. I didn't notice the progression, but I they made it really, really clear that the captain and the Klingon, for all that Kirk wants to believe they're different, if you take it to another level, the way they are evolutionarily, uh, they are exactly the same. And even Kirk is shocked and ashamed. You can see it when uh, Aelborn basically reprimands him at the end, uh, and and Kirk is like, I can't believe how much I was fighting for people dying for this war that he didn't want. He says that. I and, have a, I have a lot yeah. of favorite moments. You know that in Star mm-hmm. Trek. Uh-huh. Um, one of my all-time favorite favorites is when Kirk is furious and says, "We have the right," and Elborn says, "To wage war, Captain, mm-hmm. to kill on a planetary scale—is that what you're defending?" And Kirk looks so embarrassed. He looks so sheepish right there. So like he wants to crawl inside himself. And I love that moment because it's just, it's just that, wow, that, that realization of being so wrapped up in the hatred. Uh, yeah. Of the Klingons that he couldn't see what he was fighting. See, for. and I don't even think it was the hatred of the Klingons. It was the disgust for the Organians. He really, really, and one of my favorite lines was uh, when he said, and I wrote this down, I'm used to the idea of dying, but I have no desire to die for the likes of you. He is so disgusted that they won't fight for himself. And it's because he doesn't know who they are and why they're unconcerned. Oh, he has no idea. He doesn't understand the mentality of, of being so abhorrent to violence. That they wouldn't, that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't perpetrate violence, mm-hmm. and he he really expresses a lot of disgust. And in that, he and the Klingon are exactly the same. I think 
I should start calling him by his name. Klingon uh, Core, particularly. I don't know about other Klingons, but he was a Core was a really good character. He really is, and and there's a there's a lot we're going to talk about with him. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about Core, about the the character, and about the actor. Let's start with the actor. Okay. He, his name is John Kalikos, uh, and in addition to playing the first ever Klingon on any Star Trek ever, because this was the first time they showed up. Uh, he had a little run on an old show back in the 70s called Battlestar Galactica, oh. where he played the role of Dr. Baltar. Really? He was the original he, Baltar? He was the original Baltar. I've only ever seen the new ones. Yeah, so we'll have to do that podcast next. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> no, we won't. Um, it was fun and goofy, and I would much <laughs> rather do a podcast about the new ones than the old ones. Uh, but he was he was the original Baltar. Uh, and he also shows up in countless other- I, He's one of those solid sci-fi guys. Uh, so this was really memorable and fun to see him show up uh, much later, because, of course, he did this long before he was ever Baltar. But he had a long – he clearly proved he could be out in outer space. Is he still alive, the actor? He died in 1999. So not going to see him ever at a con. No, you're not going to see him at a con, but you will see him again. In Star Trek. Or if I ever return to the Battlestar original Galactica. Or if you return to the Battlestar Galactica, you'll see him again. It's not likely. Um, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Night Heat. He did a lot of, wow, General Hospital, The Changeling, Vegas. He was just, uh, you know, hundreds of credits here. Hundreds of different credits. Um, Quincy, Wonder Woman, Night Gallery, Mission Impossible. So this guy has 117 acting credits. Wow. What did you think of Coor? Uh, I really enjoyed the character because there is no shame in him and what he believes. It's strength or nothing. Dying isn't as important as winning or winning is more important than dying. There was a, Yeah, you said it okay. right, I think. Uh, it sounds like you it said sounds it sounds like right. I said it right, sure. We'll go with that. I think people get it. Strength is everything. Winning is everything. Uh, there is absolutely no thought of all right, what happens when you do take over the entire galaxy or universe or however far Star Trek spreads? Mm. What are you going to do when there's it, – it doesn't matter. I'm I'm going to win. I'm going to be stronger than everyone else. Uh, uh, my will is more powerful than yours, and I'm going to prove it to you, and I have no problems killing you. Just – there was – that's just the way it is. Uh, there w was two – moments that I didn't like him and one was probably just the production quality when the aliens go to their non-corporeal form the big balls of bright energy and they all cover their eyes it's like ah bright light ah and it just the it kind of fell flat for me okay and when he's giving a speech when you first meet him he does like the original duck lips and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this but he walks around just kind of sticking his lips out. And I was just like, do, do you need to show us your lips that much? Really? Uh, yeah. And it was just one of those odd things uh, that I saw. It, like, it's funny that you say that it's the original Duck Lips because he did that back in 1966. So it might be the original Duck there Lips. There you go. I don't know. Um, I didn't notice that. That's so random. It's Would so random. No like, okay, yeah, but, uh, but okay. So he did that, but that um, could have very well actually. Now that I think about, been the makeup, which we might want to mention. What with as 
political as Star Trek was in its time, yes. it had to be intentional that the Klingons look like half black, half Asian to me. Well, was that like you, you tell me if you know about that? Um, let's open a new can of worms called what the Klingons look like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and you're going to discover this as we, as we go forward, the Klingons are going to make some, some big changes in appearance. Okay. And eventually they sort of kind of explain it, but not completely or not really Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact you're going to even get to see an episode where they talk a little bit about the difference between the old klingons and the new um andy just got a little giddy for a moment sorry Uh, (laughs) but uh there will be a a, a kind of a shocking moment when we move out of the original series and on to the next even even the klingons from the movies look different um, than they do in the original series. They look much more alien. Prosthetics become a thing. Is that just because the show got more money? More money. Which is a valid reason. More money, more production quality. The the the, the Klingons are going to look like the Klingons through the original series. That, those are what they okay. look like. They wear those, those shiny um, tunics. They, they've got the dark... Uh, skin. They've got the beards. They've got the you know the the Fu Manchus. Some mm-hmm. of them. Um, they've got the eyebrows that you know give them that that menacing quality. So that's kind of what they are. And those elements when they start adding perspective prospect- prosthetics. Thank you. Uh-huh. Prosthetics. <laughs> when they start wearing prosthetics, um, a lot of those elements are still there. The beards are still there. The way that their hair is, some of it is. But they're going to go through a facelift, a real big one, a real big one, and look more alieny in the future. This okay. is what a 1960s alien looks like on a budget. So this for this particular episode, as the completely first introduction, it wasn't purposeful. It wasn't because this is the 60s and we're saying something. I've never heard anybody talk about it from that perspective. Um, they are a warrior race. And so, um, just based on the fact that we were coming out of, out of Japan and there's a certain level of honor that's associated with them in the way that they are, perhaps there was an Asian themed look that maybe I never, I, but I didn't notice that so much. It was more about trying to make them look different right recognizable trying to make them look alien and and yet and i think you kind of already hit the the, hit one of the big themes of this of this episode that it's in spite of the fact that they're completely different and that we are nothing Mm -hmm. like them as captain kirk once says Mm -hmm. we're nothing like you. sure you're not yeah we're more alike than we care they are mirrors of each other and at one point in the very end the core turns to him and says, we can take these guys. I have an army here. Isn't that fun? Right, right before the aliens are like, no, sweetie. And yeah, then, this is yeah. Okay. And they're like, we're not even, we're, why, why don't we just show you? Uh, they don't even say anything to him. But he actually turns to him as though he's going to join him in a war. And I don't know if Kirk would have said no had the aliens not proven that, no, you're not going to do that anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. Good luck, sweetie. I think that 
Star Trek in this episode more than any other episode that I've seen so far made the aliens actually more evolved. Because I know that when we watched The Cage, Mm -hmm. those aliens were supposed to be far superior. But I didn't quite believe it. These ones, the Organians, I completely believe they are so far beyond you. They stomped you. They schooled you hardcore. And then they let you walk away. Mm-hmm. There's, it was in, in the writing, in the acting, it was built in. And I thought that that was really well done. Yeah. Um, the actor that plays Aylborn, I, I, you know, I mean, obviously I've watched this a few times this week in preparation for recording. Mm-hmm. He is so on point with, um, I assure you we're in no danger. Nothing has happened to the guards. Yeah. Everything is so just matter of fact. This is just what it is. And, and if you for one moment stopped looking at him as if, if Captain Kirk for one moment had stopped looking at him as a child who needed to be taken care of, who needed to be told what was going on, if Kirk had believed him for one moment, it would have been a really different conversation, but he could never hear what was right there in front of him because all he could see was the Klingons are coming and I have to do something about it. Right. And it's funny because they do talk. They, they're they like, they seem remarkably unconcerned. And Spock's like, yeah, that's weird. But what are you going to do with it? Because all they see is this Renaissance, medieval, probably more uh, accurately, era stagnant civilization that's all they can see uh and they never actually come out and ask why are you guys so unconcerned well i guess they kind of but he not in a curious way it's an accusatory way why aren't you fighting for yourselves never never what is going on here like are you really okay but i don't know and i thought about this in the end had the had the mission been to just discover, if they were just on an exploratory and the Klingons weren't coming, would the Organians have exposed their level of sophistication? I don't think they would. I think that they would have recognized that uh, they're still children in their eyes and they're still violent, even if war wasn't brought to their doorstep. I don't think they would have revealed themselves. I, no, I don't think they would have Even either. Then, I think that's. I don't think they would have. That's the whole point of having that that kind of little citadel set up and having the you know the very simple looking culture is kind of the this is here to fool you, right? So that you come and go and recognize we re- we really don't have anything, and there's no reason for you to stay here. And it was only because suddenly. It's not anything on the planet. It's just the location of the planet that suddenly is important to these two warring parties. Yep. And now it's like, as much as they want to be left alone, no, we're both coming and we're not going. And so they're like, all right, we're dealing with this. Yeah. You're leaving now. Right. We get so wrapped up in needing to be right. We get so wrapped up in needing to win. Mm-hmm. That we sometimes forget what game we're trying to win. And there was Kirk trying to play and win the game of war. And it wasn't until Elborn showed, you know, held the mirror right up to him and said, is that what you're doing? 
Really? Is that what you're arguing for? Right, right. Really? You want to kill on a planetary scale? Hmm. And that's when Kirk realizes, and, and the moment where he says, well, no one wants war. Right. But we still have the right. And then and then Coor just like looks at him like, are you speaking for me? <laughs> really? But it's that 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 turnaround that I just was so embarrassed. Yeah, his his for expression. Arguing, what does he say? I was yeah. embarrassed to argue for a war that I didn't even want. Yeah. Or something like it that. It was the end was really beautiful the way uh they tied it. Uh you know what I think maybe the uh the lesson is uh this made me think of astronauts i've read books where they explain uh, once you get up into space and you're looking down on earth as a whole it's almost this spiritual experience where the earth is whole and it is one and as an astronaut out in space you become part of that uh-huh. when you're looking out and the national politics and the wars and the things you're fighting over all the natural resources or made up nonsense is beyond petty and that had to have been what the organians were feeling and showing how petty how unimportant Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is just rise above it if you've ever been out in public and seen a child having a temper tantrum because they want something so bad. I want that candy bar. I want right. it. I want it. I want it. And they're screaming. Gimme. And mom is, you, you know, uh, mom has a choice. Either appease them or say enough and just right. take over. Yep. And if, if you've ever been that mom or dad, you kind of know what that's like to have to just say, oh, my gosh, I just have to end this. Mm-hmm. And I think they just got to the point where it was like, Enough. Enough, you two. Right. We're not going to let you fight. We're not going to let you guys kill each other. Right. We're not going to let you screw up this entire region of space because of your petty squabbles that don't mean a thing. You know? And then you're going to be friends in the future anyway. But the funny thing is, for Kirk, it very much is worth fighting for because he doesn't want to see the Klingons enslaving whole planets. Right, because from where he's coming from, what do the Klingons do? They enslave planets. Right. Uh, And to not fight them is so far worse. And unless you have that parent who can also discipline the other, you can't stop fighting. I'm going to make one of my recommendations for another episode for people to watch right now. Okay. Because it directly addresses something that you're talking about, and I think it's a great episode. It's another Klingon episode. I wanted to invite people to go because we're gonna we're gonna watch one more Klingon, at least one more Klingon episode um, in our run. But there's several, and uh, there's an episode called "Day of the Dove." That we're not going to watch in this group. Um, Michael and Sarah, who was a very, very big actor from back, uh, back in the sixties, plays uh, a, a Klingon named Kang. And, um, you get to hear the propaganda that the Klingons hear about the Federation. Mm, and some of the things that they know we're doing to them, which of course, when you hear them accusing us of it, it's like, well, we don't. We don't do any of that stuff. Right. So so in that episode, it's a really good so, – so Day of the Dove, it's – I think it's third season, really good episode. Now, if you do watch that episode, there is a new character 
that's going to be joining us. And we're actually going to meet this character next week. So you may want to hold off on Day of the Dove for a week. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be meeting a new character who joins us in the middle of the second season. And uh, I really want you to meet him the way you're going to meet him next week. So, so hold off on Day of the Dove until next week. But it is a great episode to look at the propaganda of believing what the other side is doing or would do to harm you isn't necessarily what's actually happening. The things we take for granted. Well, it came from the news. Uh, right. Right. It must be real. I read about it on the internet. Right. It's so none of us want to believe that we do that, but we it's it's so much work to sort out the BS from the reality. So you you still have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to believe and why. Sure. Well, that's why I watch Star Trek. I know what I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe in Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Sulu, Chekhov, and Scotty. Hey, there you go. (laughs) And the hope for the future. And the hope for the future. That we all evolve into beautiful balls of energy. He does mention uh, we have no leader. And in context, later on, you're like, well, of course they have no leader. There's no uh, balance of I'm stronger than you. I'm taller than you. I'm more fit than you. I'm prettier than you. There is no scale. They're all just beings. Uh, they just exist. Yeah, they just exist. And they've got responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, They feel responsible for this area of space. And now they feel responsible for these two children that seem to have wandered into their yard. Well, I think it's- have a fight. I think it's less that they feel responsible and more that they're super annoyed because they don't want to step in at all, which is interesting given that uh, uh, the, the prime directive is basically that same exact rule. And they broke it, mm-hmm. even though they clearly didn't want to, because sometimes you have to. But I think that they were more just annoyed. He's just like, we can't be around you people. It hurts us how violent you are. Oh, yeah. What do they say? It's offensive. The being around you, being around being such as yourselves is extremely offensive to us. Right. Then And then you finally get to see. Right. And then, of course, the, the, the big reveal. So um, when we started watching Star Trek- Mm-hmm. I mentioned to you that one of the things I love about Star Trek is that it has influenced modern science fiction and science fiction going forward. And I even told you about a connection that I saw when I started to watch Stargate SG-1. Yes. And I know you're a huge Stargate fan. So um, yes. I wanted to see if you saw anything in this episode that may have been an inspiration for a later episode of any or, or any story that you know. But I'm thinking specifically of something from the first season of SG-1. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it, it gets really, really fun with the great races later on, I thought. Okay. I enjoyed that entire line uh but in the very beginning they meet one and they look like a really primitive society like bush people or something so i just remember like the flowers in their hair and they don't have buildings and stuff and then at the very end they're like oh your children here and the 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 one of the ladies waves her hand and it reveals that they've got really powerful ships and weapons and they're fine you little humans can go home we've got this uh, so there's a little bit of that. Yeah, if it's the one that I think of, there was an episode. It was called the Knox. Yes, it's the Knox. Thank the you. Knox. Yeah, and, and the minute that I started watching it, not the minute, but very early on, I got the same sense from the Knox themselves, from the these very primitive, very sweet, um, kind of mysterious. 
aliens on this distant world um, that later turned out to be incredibly powerful and uh, far more than we could ever possibly imagine. The minute that I started to get this sense that that they were peaceful and just wanted to be left alone, I kept thinking, they seem like the Organians. They seem like the Organians. And then uh, the bad guy, what's his name? Um, uh, Apophis. Apophis shows up, right? So there's Kor. Mm-hmm. Right, you got core, you got, and then you got the colonel on our side. Uh, so there's Kirk and Core, mm-hmm. and and they want to fight each other. Right, and finally the Knox mm-hmm. say, "Okay, stop." Right, the both of you. Yeah. Yes, and they reveal their their city in the sky. Mm-hmm. They reveal they basically do the same kind of reveal of we're much more powerful than you, and we're not going to let you fight. And they send them both on their way. They kick them off the planet. And I said, this is Errand of Mercy. And I just loved how that original show influenced future science fiction. There was something really cool about it. And then I also want to point out the 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 lead role in the Knox, mm-hmm. uh, the lead guest role, was played by a, a actor named Armin Shimmerman. Mm-hmm. You know where I know him from? Where do you know him from? He's the principal in Buffy. He's the principal in Buffy. Yeah. He's also uh, the character Quark on Deep Space Nine. Ah! So another one of those actors who kind of got sucked into the genre. I love, there's something about the set of his mouth because I loved him as the principal in Buffy. Same actor though. And that's, it's fun to see. It is, you're right. It is kind of fun to see the actors and actresses go from uh, show to show uh, and I know that people have done those maps of like, oh, this sister is this wife on this. So if you put all of these universes together, she's the mother of Wonder Woman. Six degrees of everyone eventually. Yeah, right? six degrees of sci-fi fannings. Six degrees of sci-fi universe. That's what we'll go with. Perfect. I finally heard it. I finally heard the weird pauses that everybody hears when they're listening to Shatner. It was, I was like, there it is. I can hear it because I hadn't really heard it before, but it was so very clear in that one. <laughs> well, okay. anyway, we're making fun of we're making fun of Shatner now. Good for us. <laughs> it had to be said. It's such a. I mean, I knew about that, and I hadn't even seen an episode. It's a thing. There's a reason why everybody makes fun of him in this way. That is my best Shatner, and I apologize. <laughs> That's fun. Moving on. And we can move on. So so we've got this interesting face-off, Kirk and Spock, uh, against the entire Klingon force. Yes. And the odds are so stacked against them. The best line, because I, I said my Spock line, mm-hmm. the difficult-to-be-precise moment really brought a lot of levity to that. 7,824.7 to 1. 0.7 to 1. Yes. <laughs> it's difficult to be precise, Captain. But yeah, I mean, they threw that in there. It's two guys against the entire Klingon, all of the ships, all of the people there. Uh, I got that. I didn't believe they were going to die because it's Star Trek. <laughs> there was no reason for them to believe that we were going to go back and scrutinize these shows the way we did. Sure, but- sure. 
Uh, you know, at one point, Kirk is walking up the stairs. Kirk and Spock are walking up the stairs after an altercation with the Klingon. Mm-hmm. And two more Klingons are coming down the stairs. And so you had this Klingon that was really mean and nasty to Kirk because he had these lines saying so. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk and Spock go walking up the stairs, and these two Klingons come down the stairs. And what I saw walk up the stairs was William Shatner. And walking down the stairs was an extra that knew that even though he was dressed as a Klingon, he had to get out of William Shatner's way. Oh, yeah. I can see that. It bothered me. It bothered me to see how Klingons weren't being Klingons all the time. The extra- oh, he would have shoulder shoved him or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead, it was almost like Kirk shoulder shoved this Klingon. Right. And the Klingon just let it happen. And I get, you know, you're not going to have that altercation, but you got to at least tell the, tell the extra, you're the Klingon, you know, mm-hmm. bump this guy on his way down the stairs, you know, knock him, let him know that right. you're the guy. Shatner, get used to it. <laughs> like they're bad guys. You're well, pretend you're in disguise. And Shatner yeah. will take a punch. You know, if it makes him look good in the end, Shatner will take the hit. Right. Um, he knows. It's the story. It's and that's such a it's such a tiny thing. You know what I did catch, and I didn't know if I was gonna mention this. Kirk and Spock are walking out in the beginning to go down to the planet. Spock's shirt is messed up in the back. Oh. And I just know if if they were to shoot that nowadays, a hundred people would be like, Hey, hey, we've got to redo that. Yeah, oh, they, you're right. They would have had 10 people on them and they would have done last looks here and there. And they were, it, it, it kind of like both those moments, the moment you're talking about, the moment I just talked about, they show you the shoestring budget that they were working yeah. with. They yeah. had to move, move, move. They had, I mean, you know. How many episodes this- did they do in a season? Like a hundred? Because I was scrolling through and I'm like, oh my God. 20, 26 episodes a season. Is that normal? That's not normal. For back then? Yeah. Those were, that was, that was what a season was. For now? Yeah. A season was about half a year. For now, it's what, 13, 12, some of these? uh, I don't know. Some of the BBC ones are like four, six. Yeah. But back then, we weren't dealing with so much serialized. It was more episodic. It was, you know. Right. The big stories. There's the big bads, the growth between, the stuff that I've really gotten used to and actually kind of love uh, when you have a set. And I think Babylon 5. One of the reasons I love it so much is that it did it so well. They had a planned thing. Lost did it too, supposedly. Uh, <laughs> they had a plan from start to finish. They were going to do this, and they're going to tell this story all the way through. One of the the first times that it was ever done successfully in television was actually done on Star Trek too. Deep Space Nine. The final four seasons are pretty much a single story arc. There's there's a lot of other stuff that happens, but it'll get into a very long story arc that um, people hadn't seen that level of story before. And right. So- the continuation, instead of being like, oh, we're going to pick up, it's the same characters, but they have a whole new adventure, and then we're going to wrap up every time. Exactly. And right. you know, an escalation of who the bad guys are and the politics of it continue on from right. episode to episode. Um, we'll get to that. I don't know, six, seven months, we'll talk about Deep Space Nine. Well, that's going to be a little bit sad because then I know I'm going to miss stuff in Deep Space Nine. Ah, but you see, what I'm doing is laying the foundation for you so that you'll see the pieces that are there and then you get to choose what you want to go back and see yourself. Nice. I like that. Some people are going to get to watch the, the, the original series, but if you watch these few episodes at the beginning right now, it's going to lay the base. 
for what we're going to see in Next Generation, what we're going to see in the other shows. And when we start to go back and look at some of these stories, when we explore more about what happened, uh, for instance, we're going to be talking about the Organian Peace Treaty forever. The Organian Peace Treaty that basically comes from this episode, the treaty huh. that creates a neutral zone between the the um, two factions. And, nice. Yeah. I was wondering at the end of that how long the the treaty lasts. Like, if you get into that, does it still get hot when you try and fire a weapon, or is that just something that, like, okay, we've accepted that this is a thing and we're not going to? You always need a spacer. Sure. Every war, every war needs to have rules. Sure. You have to have go take care of your dad or with without doing any spoilers, I can tell you mm. that we explore that in the future a lot. Okay. A lot. Cool. In fact, in fact the Klingon the Klingon Empire is uh going to show up a lot in the next generation, but we'll get a thorough workout in Deep Space 9. And they show up in every series. Literally every series we'll see Klingons. Well, that's kind of cool. Uh, and they said, I'm I'm assuming that this is explored in later series that when the Organians are like, you're going to be friends. So chill down, Roderick. Um, yeah, put a pin in that. We'll be back to that shortly. Okay. It won't, e- it won't even take that long. Oh, I was expecting it to be like hundreds of years in the future after a lot of fighting. Well, the next generation is only 80 years away. Oh, well, all right then. So, uh, and, and uh, we're going to have a Klingon in the show. Every week, oh. when we get to the next generation. So uh, yeah, there's a series regular that's a Klingon. That would be really fun to see a Klingon and Spock, because it's like pure anger and pure logic a little bit. Like I would love to see that interplay. You're nodding, like of course this is going to happen, Jessica. Calm down. <laughs> I'm 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 not saying anything. Uh huh. Okay. I'm just I got my little pins here, and I'm just just putting them where they need to be. <laughs> we haven't even begun to explore what's possible in the Klingon Empire yet. Nice. I was going to mention the mind scanner, how many times they mention that, and then you never even see it. You don't, right? Yeah. And the only time that they ever use it, they use it on Spock, and it doesn't work, obviously. Right. Uh, Because, you know. Spock. Spock is awesome. He has mental disciplines. He does he does judo with his brain. <laughs> he kind of does. We even explore some of that judo that he does with his brain too in kind of cool episodes. So we never see it actually done on on Kirk. Mm-mm. And uh now we have this treaty, this you can't do the big bad stuff to each other. So um I don't want to throw any spoilers out, but I'm trying to remember if they actually go back and examine the mind scanner anymore. Believe me, the Klingons come up with plenty of ways to mess with the Federation. It's mentioned a lot for being something that you never get to see. He literally, Kor says it like three sentences in a row. He's like, don't worry, we have our mind scanner and our mind scanner will break you and you don't even know about the mind sifter. The mind sifter. And I was like, okay, you just said that three times and then it's never shown. I was like, ah. The one last thing I was going to say, yes. I know we we hit on it briefly before, but the interchange at the end is really interesting between Kirk and Spock when Kirk's ashamed of himself and Spock actually says, you don't really need to be ashamed. It took them millions of years to get to being non-corporeal beings who hate violence. So uh, while it's kind of irksome that we're not the most powerful in the universe, 
it's okay. We're okay. We're somewhere in the range. Right. You know, somewhere between we don't know what space is and we're all powerful beings. We're like right. <laughs> on the journey, um, which is kind of the journey that Star Trek is about, is taking ourselves to that next level. At least that's how I look at a lot of Star Trek is how do we get there? You know, what what were the adventures that the Organians had Mm. And how long ago did they have the kinds of adventures that we're seeing Captain Kirk and all have today? You know, how long do we have? Right. <laughs> but it kind of gives an ending to strive for. It's that's the goal. Mm-hmm. That is the that's the path of you get to be equal. You get to be nonviolent. Yeah. You get to be better than what you are right now. Yeah. You get to let go. You get to let go of thinking that strength and war are the things worth having. Right. Well, you, you start being up to different things. You know, suddenly the the reasons for war, the reasons for all the violence, they keep talking about doing violence. It wasn't even about mm-hmm. war. It was doing violence. Doing violence, do right. Violence? Um, they kept talking about the reason. Even on a fake civilization. Like, that wasn't real. And he's just like, you blew it up. (gasps) Yeah. They never cared about what the reasons were. The Organians were just like, you'll do violence? Really? For for that? For that? It didn't matter what the reason was. There was no reason that they could see for it. And that was, you know, they were so convicted. We've already run into, uh, let's see, Balok. Right. The Keeper. That was our first. And the Talosians. Mm -hmm. And now we've run into um, the Organians. So, like, half the things we're running into are kicking our butts. Yeah. And you're just kind of lucky that they don't want to hurt you. Right. Or that you managed to bluff them into not hurting you. Or that they turned out to not actually want to hurt you, but to just test you. Right. There's a lot of really powerful stuff out there to deal with. I think you'd kind of have to, right? You can't just be the ones going into lesser civilizations if you want to view them that way. Mm-hmm. Well, but there's challenges everywhere we go, right? Right. We thought we were going to a lesser civilization. <laughs> Psych. Psych. Right. <laughs> right. I haven't heard that since the 2000s. <laughs> you want to talk about the next episode? Yeah. I th- what, what am I going to be watching next? Does it have Klingons in it? Okay, so um, I was watching what I thought was going to be next week's episode and kind of discovered a bit of a spoiler that I, I can't show the one that I thought I was going to show next week. And so I, I, I flipped some things around in order to make this work. And I said, all right, well, we've only met the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And so we know who they are now. So another Klingon episode wouldn't be a problem. And besides, we've had some pretty serious stuff. Some yes, you know, it's delved into some deep stuff. A couple of wars, mm-hmm. you know, and mind control and kidnapping, and you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. And I thought maybe we should lighten things up. So, the episode that you're going to be watching next week, just give me a minute to like, okay, just, just be giddy for a moment because I watched it today, and. The episode's called The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, have you ever heard of that episode? This is an episode that's really big in pop culture. This is famous. The only 
The only thing I've seen is in the new movies, they inject a, like, a little brown furry thing with, uh, uh, Cumberbatch's blood. Got it. So you remember that. So, yeah, I remember that. And I, and, and I remember the, the audience being like, oh, and I was like, oh, that's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know about that thing, but there's clearly a thing here. Yeah. I'm assuming they're like, uh, replicators that they just take over that, they don't. They you shoot them and then they turn into two of them. That's my guess. You you think that you shoot a triple? You shoot a triple and it turns into two triples. Yeah, they just they they don't die. They just multiply, and that's that's the trouble with triples. So there's my prediction for the yeah. Let's go with that, or uh, that they don't die, or that they're yeah. No, I think it's the multiplication of them that you start with this monster and then you create a thousand monsters and you're like, oh, oops. Well, we'll see what. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. We'll see what that is. I I, I will tell you, there's a there's a moment when you told me um when we were watching the Corbomite maneuver way back mm-hmm. at the beginning of this. And you said to me that you did not expect to see Baylock. Mm-hmm. I That was a moment for me. I had this moment where I went, oh my gosh, she actually is going to get to see all these things for her first time. Yeah, it's real. I mean, I only know them peripherally. There's a moment in this show that, goodness gracious, I wish I could be sitting with you when you see it. And you'll know the moment probably after it happens. We'll talk about it next week. But okay. I'm like, I when, when it happened, I literally had to pause my screen because I was laughing so hard at thinking about you seeing what I was seeing. I, ah, I, All right. Pin, 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 pin. The trouble with tribbles. Is it that the tribbles don't die? Maybe I'm wrong with them because it doesn't sound right, like the multiplication. Although I kind of always thought that they would multiply. They seemed like... Oh, it's a brown furry nuisance, and then they grow into this army of brown furry nuisances that becomes a really big problem. I don't know why I always thought that. This episode is going to change things up a little for you, I think. Awesome. Uh, So, The Trouble with Tribbles was the 15th episode. It was aired on December 29th, 1967. So, this one, as of now is not quite 50 years old. Okay. Um, written by David Gerald, uh, who was a writer for much of Star Trek. And uh, yeah, them them Tribbles, they can be trouble. I, there's just so much I want to say about this episode right now. And there'll be so much I'll want to say that I can't say about this episode next week when we talk about it because you'll want to watch the episode after that to be still exciting or still a surprise because we'll talk about it next week ah okay <laughs> oh my gosh there's so many spoilers um this one is is really there's a lot of pop culture reference around around this one so maybe i'll be able to understand more jokes <laughs> We'll see what you see. Okay, but I got you. I got your prediction. So you're gonna be you're gonna be tweeting this. You're gonna be tweeting your reactions to this. Yes. If you watch it on Sunday, the, the episode fifteenth. Join me. Comment with me. Follow at Begin the Trek. <laughs> the fifteenth of October. Ah. So the fifteenth of October, I will be watching and tweeting, and then the Wednesday after that, we will talk all about it. Okay, at Begin the Track, um, Jessica will be watching The Trouble with Tribbles, and she'll be tweeting live. 
This was a great conversation about about Aaron and Mercy. Uh, yeah, I really liked this episode. The, I can I can get through the other ones if I remember these and like Baylock and this one really just excellent stories. I, a five out of five. I don't want to sign off, but it's time. Jessica, I will talk to you next week. Have a great time watching The Trouble with Triples. I will. See you later. See ya. Bye. If you like us and you're listening, you probably heard it from Andy or I or from a friend of ours. And do the same. Just share and uh, let other people know that you like it. Yeah, we're, we're really trying to uh, create a world full of Star Trek. So uh, share this with your friends. Let's get, uh, let's get some Star Trek in people. <laughs>